The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome new listeners joining us from Hawaii and Alaska to Maine and Florida in all 50 states, and also extend a heartfelt welcome to members of our armed forces who are tuning in over the Internet today. Thank you for your many emails and letters and for making us part of your Newsweek. In just a moment, former Senate Majority Leader and the man voted the most respected member of the Senate for six years running, Mr. George Mitchell, will be joining us. And as you know, Mitchell was the chief architect of the Good Friday Agreement, which brought peace to Ireland and also served as special envoy for Middle East peace. We would look long and hard to find a more skilled negotiator than Mitchell when it comes to negotiations between antagonistic nations and He's here today to talk about some of the steps the U.S. can take to bring stability to the Middle East. But before Mr. Mitchell joins us, as is my custom each week, let me take a moment to tell you a little about his background. George Mitchell was born in Maine and was adopted and raised by a Lebanese family. He earned his undergraduate degree from Bowdoin College in 1954, then served in the United States Army until 56. Shortly thereafter, Mitchell received his law degree from Georgetown University and his next stop was as trial attorney for the antitrust division of the Department of Justice until he was tapped as executive assistant to Senator Edmund Muskie. By 1977, Mitchell was on a political fast track. He was appointed U.S. attorney for Maine by President Carter and then to the U.S. District Court in Maine. Mitchell worked as a federal judge until May of 1980 when the governor of Maine asked him to fill Muskie's Senate seat, which was vacated when Muskie was appointed secretary of state. In 82, Mitchell was elected to his first full Senate term and easily reelected in 88. Mitchell proved to be an even-handed, skilled negotiator, so it was no surprise that he became our nation's Senate majority leader from 89 to 95. Then in 95, Mitchell served as special envoy for Northern Ireland under President Clinton, for which he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom and Liberty Medal. And in 2009, Mitchell was appointed by President Obama as special envoy to the Israeli-Arab peace process. I, I also want to mention that Mitchell is one of the founding members of the Bipartisan Policy Center, along with colleagues Howard Baker, Bob Dole, and Tom Daschle. And if there are two books, which ought to be on every American's reading list, they would have to be Mitchell's book, The Negotiator, as well as his bestseller, A Path to Peace. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report former Senate Majority Leader, Mr. George Mitchell. Thank you for joining us today, Senator. Thank you very much for having me. Mr. Mitchell, you are one of the leaders who knows how to bring peace into troubled regions. And in your book, A Path to Peace, you make it clear that any peace between Israel and the Palestinians has to be negotiated between them and cannot be forced upon them which is, seems to be a perspective that President Trump has recently adopted. How do you feel about how the new administration is approaching peace between Israel and the Palestinians? I commend uh, the administration for the effort. Uh, it will obviously be difficult. Uh, president Trump will be either the 12th or 13th president to try to bring, bring peace to Israel and the Palestinians. There have been over 20 secretaries of state, uh, many Arab and Israeli leaders, and so far uh, success has eluded all, but uh, we have to keep trying. Uh, I think the two essential ingredients are the one you mentioned, that the parties themselves 
have to be able to reach agreement. It can't be imposed from the outside. And secondly, there has to be an American effort to uh, create the atmosphere within which uh, reasonable talks can occur and in which an agreement can be reached, and most importantly, to guarantee implementation of the agreement. One of the things I learned in Northern Ireland that it's very hard to get people to agree to end a long historic conflict, but it's even harder to get them to do what they agree to do afterward. That is, implementation is oftentimes more difficult than actually getting an agreement, and that's why the presence of the United States government is so critical. So uh, I commend the administration. It's not going to be easy. the circumstances have changed significantly since I was there uh, six or seven years ago, some for the better, uh, and some make it more difficult. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I encourage and support the effort. Now, the decision to hold off on moving the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem uh, showed a great deal of restraint by the new administration. Do you agree that that was the right decision at this time? Yes, I do. Uh, uh, President Trump is the third American president to pledge during the political campaign to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, Both uh, President George W. Bush and uh, President uh, Clinton made the same commitment in the campaign and then afterward on taking office came to realize uh, that it would be a a serious mistake if you're trying to create an atmosphere conducive to serious and successful negotiation. And so uh, I think it was right. It's sort of a delay for six months because under the law, the embassy will be moved unless the president certifies uh, that Uh, It's in the national interest not to do so, and he has to make that certification every six months. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, uh, I understood the pledge as a campaign promise. Uh, uh, As I said, he's not the first to make it, not the first to reverse it, and I think it's a wise move. And uh, I think the Israelis understand and agree with that, actually moving the, the embassy to Jerusalem they would like it done, but it's not their highest priority. It, it sounds as though when you talk about creating an atmosphere, uh, you're talking about uh, not uh, aggravating the situation uh, and uh, facilitate the role of the United States in facilitating the two parties coming together, but not intervening. And it also sounds like you you feel that there is a role for the United States in terms of implementation once an agreement has uh, been struck. Well, that's right, and uh, it's largely uh, financial. Uh, keep in mind that the uh, Camp David Agreement, uh, peace between Egypt and Israel, was reached in 1979, and uh, the glue that was applied to hold it together in the aftermath was an American commitment to provide assistance to Israel and now it's $3.8 billion a year under President Obama's latest uh, uh, decision in that regard, inherited by the current administration, and to Egypt. Uh, So we provided, if you add it up, about $5 billion a year since 1979. No other entity on earth, private or public, nor the government has the capacity to do that. And, of course, it is also not just American financial aid, but the United States' commitment, first, of course, to the security and safety of Israel, it's Israel's right to exist uh, behind secure and defensible borders, and now, uh, most, much more specifically than in the past, a commitment to a Palestinian state, a sovereign, independent, geographic, contiguous state. So the United States government is absolutely essential. Uh, It can't happen without us. In addition, uh, we have allies around the region, and it's important for us to call upon those allies to help in supporting the effort not to impede it. President Trump just made a visit to Saudi Arabia and where he was well-received and gotten a lot of uh, 
made a lot of contact with the Saudis, uh, they have to be involved in this process and they have to become positive forces, not negative forces, if the process is to go forward. Yes, and that's something that you discuss a great deal in your book, A Path to Peace, that uh, that also financial aid from the global community will help to facilitate uh, and implement uh, any agreement that's struck. We have to take our first break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Mr. George Mitchell. You're listening to The Costa Report. If you're a fan of big ideas and thinking, then you're going to want to sink your teeth into On the Verge. Jim Lair, John Scully, Alan Dershowitz, and dozens of business and government leaders from the full political spectrum have given On the Verge their highest reviews. And you can help drive the book to the top of the bestseller list by ordering On the Verge from Amazon right now. Our goal is to distribute 25,000 copies before the official release date. By placing your order for On the Verge right now, you'll help us beat that number. We need every listener to go to Amazon.com and order On the Verge as quickly as you can. And while you're at Amazon, order first edition gift copies of On the Verge for friends and family because they won't last long. On the Verge, on sale now at Amazon.com. That's On the Verge at Amazon.com. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Scott, we keep hearing about the wines that are being developed in Monterey County. How would you describe the climate conditions for grapes? Monterey County has a lot of little pockets that give you the opportunity to grow a variety of grapes. It comes down to the match of location and climate with the varietal that you're going to grow. And where we grow in the Highlands, it's prototypical cool climate. We're even in the northern side of the Highlands. So that is ideal for both Pinot and Chardonnay. Chardonnay strives really well in a lot of our county, as well as Pinot. But I would say that this is the most optimal location. You get wind, you get sun exposure. The benches come off of the inland side of the coastal mountains. It's an optimal position. You can order any of our products directly from us by visiting our website, caracciolicellars.com, or calling the tasting room directly, 831-622-7722. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I am done with my mattress. That's right. I'm not spending another night on this old bag. My new mattress comes today, and this thing is out of here. Bye-bye, mattress. Yep. Bye-bye, mattress. So says you and about a thousand other people every day. And that's a lot of old mattresses with no place to go. There's the landfill, of course, where they just take up space. But what a waste. Because you could send it to a mattress recycler, where old mattresses get broken down into steel, foam, wood, and fiber that become new steel, carpet padding, home insulation, garden mulch, biomass fuel, locomotive oil filters, and all kinds of other great stuff. So Bye Bye Mattress is right. But don't toss it. Recycle it. It's easy. And it's free. To find a mattress recycler in your area, visit buybuymattress.com. Welcome back 
back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Senate Majority Leader and the architect of peace in Ireland, Mr. George Mitchell. And before the break, you were explaining that there is an important role for our allies and also surrounding nations to play in uh, in encouraging peace between Israel and the Palestinians, which the United States can can support that process. But but let's talk about some of the specifics of a lasting peace between Israel and the Palestinians. For for decades, the U.S. has favored a two-state solution, but there are a number of challenges with this approach. Uh, first, for years, the Palestinians have rejected a two-state solution. And second, Israel would have to give up tangible lands for an intangible promise by forcibly evicting and removing Israeli citizens from what's now Israel. And third, there's a problem of Jerusalem, which uh, has important significance to both the Jewish and the Muslim religions. So let's just start with needing a common objective. There are powerful factions in Israel and among the Palestinians which reject a two-state solution. So if both parties cannot get on the same page. There doesn't seem to be much point in talking about relinquishing territory or uh, what happens to Jerusalem, is there? Well, in fact, the Palestinians uh, do support a two-state solution. That is their objective. That's what they seek in the negotiations. But there are factions uh, within both both of these groups that, that just don't agree. Oh, that's right. Uh, the, the, well, just like there are factions in the United States who do not agree, and factions in the United Kingdom, uh, almost every country in the world has people on both sides of many important issues. And it is true that in Israel, there are many who do not support a two-state solution, who do not agree to the existence of a Palestinian state on the West Bank, just as within the Palestinian people, there are those who do not accept Israel's legitimacy, as does the Palestinian Authority, who do not accept an Israeli state. But you can't base a national policy on the fact that some people in your country don't agree with it. The fact is that polls show consistently a majority of people in both Israel and among the Palestinians support a two-state solution. Now, that majority has been declining in both societies as they've been unable to come up with a way to implement it. But the I believe that the best policy for both sides is a two-state solution and that there is no other credible or feasible alternative to it. I do acknowledge that there are many in both countries, both societies, who oppose that. And that's why it makes it very difficult for the political leaders to take the steps that would require compromise on their part, each of them, to reach an agreement. It's very tough when you've got a very strong and determined opposition taking the other point of view. But that's not new. Look at our own country and the divisions we have over what our policy should be. That's true in every society and especially in every democracy. But what is disturbing is, as you point out, there's a decline in support amongst Israelis and Palestinians for a two-state solution. We can see that that decline is actually occurring. That's right. Uh, I think it's frustration at the inability of the leadership on both sides to come together and reach that agreement, and it does create opportunities for those on both sides who oppose a two-state solution and who want, in effect, their point of view to prevail uh, in its entirety. But I believe that the interests of both societies ultimately lies in reaching agreement to separate, to live side-by-side in peace in two separate countries, the Palestinian state would be non-militarized. There there are a whole list of requests that the Israelis have and will make in negotiations to ensure their security. Uh, And the Palestinians have their own list of demands, but they've got to sit down and negotiate and agree on them. I think ultimately they will because it is in their interest. Now, I I would urge, uh, if I might, uh, uh, Rebecca, your listeners, 
to pull up on their computer is a speech that President George W. Bush made in January of 2008 before he left office in Jerusalem. He assembled the leadership of both Israel and the Palestinians, and he basically said to them, I'm paraphrasing only slightly now, that the only way you can resolve this is through an agreement, and the only way each of you can get what you want is to make sure the other side gets what it wants, so you should be vested in each other's success. To the Israelis, he said, you have a state, a very successful state, but you do not have security for your people, reasonable and sustainable security. The people of Israel live in very dangerous and fearful and anxious terms because of the constant threat of violence. He said the only way you're going to get that is if the Palestinians get a state. To the Palestinians, he said, you don't have a state. You want one. You ought to have one. We, the United States, support your getting one. But you're not going to get a state until the people of Israel can have reasonable and sustainable security. So each of you have to get together, and the only way you're going to get what you want is to make sure the other side also get gets what it wants, and that can be done through fair and responsible negotiation by leaders who are committed to a peaceful two-state solution. Now, that not everybody agrees with that, as you've pointed out, and so it does make it very difficult, but that's the political challenge. But there are many experts who believe that the more the Palestinians delay this process, the more concessions they've been able to get. How do you see that? Well, I don't think, I, I, I think they don't get what they want, which is a state, so it's hard to see how they gain by delaying getting their objective. I'm, 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 I'm somewhat at a loss you're to saying, see how yeah, you're that's saying, a you're, you're, you're basically saying that at the, the end game is for Israel to feel secure, and the end game is for the Palestinians to have territory they can declare as a state. That's the end well, game. And that they, they, both, they both gain by that. They gain something by that's that. That's right. That's exactly right. Now they also have to give up something to get that, and that's the political problem that both face. There are, as you have already noted, and I've said, there are people, including in the government of Israel, who are adamantly and publicly opposed to there ever being a Palestinian state on the West Bank. And there are some Palestinians, Hamas is, of course, well known in control of Gaza, that yes. are opposed to Israel's continued existence in the region. Now, the Palestinian leadership, the, the Palestinian Authority, which controls the executive branch of government under President Abbas, has committed a long time ago to recognize Israel, to accept its right to exist, to abide by prior agreements, and to oppose violence against Israel in the effort for statehood. But of course, this gets back to what you were saying earlier, much harder to implement, easier to set a policy, easier to come to an agreement than it is to execute that. Now we have to take another commercial break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. Do not waste your money on any store-bought razor again. You heard me right. Don't even think about it. I just got my free Harry's razor in the mail, and now I know why 3 million people switch to Harry's razors. It's the closeness of the shave, that clean, perfectly smooth skin the razor leaves behind. And if that's not enough, Harry's razors are half the price of the leading multi-blade system. But there's no reason to take my word for it. Get your free Harry's razor along with five precision blades, shave gel, and blade cover right now by going to harrys.com slash costa. Your first razor and blades are free when you go to harrys.com slash costa. C-O-S-T-A. Do it right now. I promise you won't get a better shave anywhere using any razor. That's harrys.com slash costa. But hurry before this offer expires. You'll never use another razor again. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. 
When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier. And it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Yeah, you, it's me, your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is former Senate Majority Leader George Mitchell and author of A Path to Peace, and you were talking about a speech that President Bush made in 2008 in Jerusalem where he clearly outlined the upside of peace to both Israel and the Palestinians. Now, let's talk about the difficult topic of partitioning land. Uh, what is your reaction to Israel building new settlements in the West Bank? Uh, the United States government, under every president uh, since uh, 1967, uh, has opposed the policies and practices of the government of Israel in constructing settlements in the West Bank. The language of the presidents has varied uh, in terms of the strength of condemnation or criticism, but uh, every president has adopted that policy, including President Trump, who recently said it's not helpful uh, and uh, encourage But the fact uh, is new settlements have been authorized and they're being built. Yes, they are. That's right. And and the policy of the, every government of Israel uh, under both Labor and Likud and their predecessors has been to continue with the construction. So we're both democracies. We're both have a vibrant internal uh, political processes, and uh, while we're very good friends and allies, we don't agree on everything. And so the United States does not support uh, Israel's policies with respect to settlements. Israel continues with them. That continues to be a point of disagreement, but it does, of course, not rupture the relationship, which remains strong. 
Are these settlements a result of the decline in support for a two-state solution inside of Israel? No, they began with an entirely uh, different rationale. Uh, It was back in 1967 after Israel prevailed in the war against, it was not the first war, but that war against its Arab neighbors. Yes, but these recent settlements, these recent settlements that have been authorized, do you see a connection between that and the decline of support inside Israel for a two-state solution? Are they connected? Uh, Are the recent settlements connected? Probably they are interactive to some extent, uh, but uh, I don't think there's an exclusive or direct uh, causation. They probably have that effect, and there's probably the reverse effect that the absence of a two-state solution permits and encourages those who want to settle the land to do so. So that's that's part of the whole process and difficulty. So, is there any way around conceding lands for Israel? Well. Uh, you you say conceding land for Israel, but the concept of the two-state solution advanced by President George W. Bush and by President Clinton and by President Obama would would compensate Israel in a land swap so that territories that are outside what is now called the Green Line, it was the Border that was established. It wasn't established as a boundary, but it's where the border was set after the 67 war. Israel would get land, which includes many large settlements now, and would swap land with the Palestinians in an equal amount. So uh, both sides think they would be conceding land to the other. Yes, I understand that, you know, you get some land, you concede certain land so that a a, a Palestinian state can be uh, created. Uh, And uh, and I understand that. But I but from the standpoint of Israel, the fact that after 25 years, uh, you know, I think there's a, a, a I think the last new settlements were maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Do I have that right? No, that's not right. That's not right. No, it's very complicated and confusing, so permit me to explain. Yeah, please, I'm sorry, I'm I'm looking at this, I think the the international law was set up about 25 years ago or 20, 25 years ago, and I think that uh, there's just been defiance of that uh, continually, and and the most recent settlements that uh, were authorized just recently uh, are very disturbing. Yeah, the the word settlements has two meanings. Mm-hmm. Under Israeli law, they set aside land areas, fairly large land areas on the West Bank, in which settlements could be constructed. Some settlements were constructed within those land areas, but the built-up portions constitute only a relatively small portion of the marked areas for settlement construction. So when some people say settlements, they mean the large land areas that were set aside many years ago. Others think of the cities that have been built within those land areas. So when you say no new settlements have been built, you can be referred, no new settlements have been established. It's true that no new large land areas have been demarked, but it is also true that some new buildings and cities have been built within those larger land areas. So it produces a confusion because different people mean different things when they say new settlements. Yes, I understand. (laughs) I I understand, and thank you for straightening that out. It's even confusing for me, and I do try to keep up on on, uh, on the the building out in the West Bank that's occurring, because I do believe that what you say and what you suggest in your book, A Path to Peace, is true, that there has to be an atmosphere there has to be an atmosphere, and then the second way in which the United States can help is with implementation and execution, which also includes financial aid and uh, and bringing surrounding nations uh, together to not interfere in the peace process and to support that peace process. Uh, those are things that have to do with implementation and atmosphere. 
but I but I should add, Rebecca, to be fair, uh, I don't want it to sound like the United States is the only country that supports this. The European nations have provided huge amounts of funding for support to the Palestinians, huge support for American policy. They have been invaluable allies in pursuing this effort for peace in the region. So it's not just an American effort. Japan has provided money. Canada has provided substantial assistance. It really is a worldwide effort of people who want to help in seeing this problem resolved. But that said, it is a worldwide effort that has not succeeded. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. It, it It has failed under numerous presidencies. And uh, even though there was a lot of concern about appointing Jared Kushner to head up these peace negotiations, uh, there's an argument to be made. Maybe fresh eyes are needed. Maybe a fresh perspective is needed. I don't know. How how much does history play into what happens from this point forward? Or do we need someone to just make a fresh start? Well, the two are not mutually exclusive. Uh, Knowing some history and making a fresh start can both occur. I think some knowledge of the history is very important because uh, it's long, it's complex. Uh, People act in a certain way based on historical reasons, some of which are valid, some are not. Uh, But I agree that maybe a a set of fresh eyes uh, will be helpful. I think more importantly is the to take advantage of the changes in circumstance that have occurred. It's like every other place in oil. It's dynamic. It's not the same as it was seven years ago, not the same as it was 17 or 70 years ago. That's true in California where you are. It's true in New York where I am. It's true of every place. And there have been enough changes in the region. And and keep this very important fact in mind. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict does not exist in a vacuum, and it's not going to be resolved in a vacuum. It exists within the context of a hugely turbulent, violent upheaval that's occurring in the region where Israel and the Palestinians live. And there's an interactive effect, the external effects the external actions affect what goes on among Israelis and Palestinians and vice versa. Yes, and all the more reason to try to get both the Palestinians and Israel on the same page. We have to take a short intermission, but stay where you are. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. I owed the IRS $10,000. The IRS garnished my wages. They put a lien on my house. The IRS is the most powerful collection agency in the world. They do not give up until you pay. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions Now, and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions Now, and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions Now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. Tax Solutions Now can get you help. Our agents know the rules can stop the pain and get you the best deal. We connect you with a team of former IRS agents and tax professionals who will get the IRS off your back. We saved our home and overcame the most powerful collection agency in the world. Call Tax Solutions now. Time is running out. Call 800-987-0577. Hi, I'm Joan London with A Place for Mom. Over the years, we've helped thousands of families find senior care, and today's senior living communities have never been better. With amazing amenities like movie theaters, exercise rooms and swimming pools, public cafes, bars and bistros, even pet care services. And nobody understands your options like the advisors at A Place for Mom. These are local expert advisors that will partner with you to find the perfect place and determine the right level of care, whether that's just a helping hand or full-time memory care. Best of all, it's a free service. Call today. A place for mom. You know your family. We know senior living. Together, we'll make the right choice. Call A Place for Mom right now to get our free ebook on financing senior care as well as a free referral for senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-806-8572. That's 1-800-806-8572. 
It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You going to finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. we got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Senator George Mitchell. And we have been talking about the long, challenging road to peace for Israel and the Palestinians and what role the United States and other nations can play in helping to create the right atmosphere and facilitate execution of a peace agreement. Uh, Mr. Mitchell, if it's okay with you, I'd like to switch gears for just a moment and ask you about peace negotiations, which directly involve the United States. As you know, economic sanctions have done little to quell North Korea's nuclear uh, program. And so far, urging China to put pressure pressure on uh, North Korea has not been uh, really effective. As one of our country's preeminent peace brokers, are we running out of peaceful options here? Before I answer that, Rebecca, which I will in a minute, I I just want to make a a separate comment. Uh, In the break now, you just had an ad for your new version of the Watchman's Rattle. And uh, I want to put in a plug for you because I've I've got your first edition of this. And I like to read it because it's short sections and you can read a little bit at a time. But I I should read for your listeners this statement that you made in the book in 2010. Without a firm grip on facts, we lose our ability to determine what is at the root of our biggest threats. So we simply begin accepting beliefs in lieu of knowledge. Sounds pretty forward-looking when you project it to our situation in the country today. Thank you, Senator no. Mitchell. I appreciate that plug for the Watchman's Rattle. Uh, and I have a second book you, coming out. You're going to get the first copy off the presses for that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, well, sir. Uh, well, the interesting thing is you have that in italics, emphasizing it. Page one of your do. book. Yeah, I do, yeah. because we all know that uh, the more complex a situation is, and no one knows this better than you do, uh, the yeah. more complex a situation is, uh, the more likely... Uh, that knowledge, instead of knowledge, uh, unproven beliefs and opinions begin to prevail. And once that starts to take over public policy, we are lost. We are no, lost. That, we we have uh, to look at the facts. We have to be that, a fact-based uh, policy nation. And uh, this is what I worry about the most. Uh, I, well, I, I truly worry about it. But thank you so much, sir, for the plug for the book. So well, now let's you, let's, you, let's... you said it, and I agree with it. So <laughs> North so let's Korea. Let's talk about North Korea. Are we yes, out of peaceful right. options here? Because I hope you say no. 
Well, I don't think you're ever out of peaceful options. You just have to keep trying, although I do believe that there is no simple or easy course of action for the United States in this circumstance. Uh, keep in mind that we we try to look at things with logic and in a rational process of thinking, but we are dealing with a person and irrational uh insecure, uh, young, immature leader who is made, has made clear he's prone to violent actions uh, without warning or without any real basis in fact or logic. Uh, unstable, a, a, a very repressive regime uh, that is testing not just us, but their own ally, China. Now, one of the problems we have is we American leaders, not just President Trump, but on both sides for a long time, have said, we've got to get China to do this. China's interests are close to ours in the short term. They don't want upheaval. They don't want disruption. But in strategic and long-term planning, China's interests are diametrically opposed to ours. We want a unified Korea a democratic nation, just as we want democracy all around the world. That's the last thing China wants. They don't want a unified democratic Korea because that would put American forces on their border. Now, unless we withdrew them, of course, in the aftermath of such an event. Well, this so is we, what I don't understand. I don't yeah. understand why we think China would weak, do anything to weaken North Korea. They don't want a unified democratic Korea. That's exactly right. So why are right. they going to weaken North Korea just because we're we're threatened by that? Well, they 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 don't want the disruption that might occur if the North Korean leader began or started an international war. That would have a devastating effect on China. They don't want the regime to collapse because they will face millions of people fleeing across the border into China that they would have to deal with. So what they want is like calm. Can't you keep this quiet? Can't you keep this calm? They don't want regime change. We want regime change. We want a unified democratic nation, which is, what, of course, what the people of Korea want and would benefit from, I believe, North and South. So it's very difficult, but I think we do have to at some point, engage directly with them. I think that's the way it's heading now, much as the administration does not want to engage in direct talks with them because they are so untrustworthy and and not believable in what they say. Nonetheless, I think that's the way it's going to proceed. And I think a any chance, any chance of you going over there? <laughs> no, no, I've done my I've done my tours duty. You know, oh, say I it's did, not I did, so. I did. I did. I did. I did Two tours of duty in the Middle East and yes, one in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you not, did, not. but uh, that yeah. but that experience is showing, sir. <laughs> well, 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 thank I'm, you. I'm but a... we've we've got we've got good people. That's not our problem. Well, I'm afraid we are all out of time. But before we say goodbye, let me take this opportunity to thank you for your long service to our country and thank you for making time to join us today, Mr. Mitchell. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, today we've been talking about the right way to tackle difficult, persistent problems such as the ongoing conflict in the Middle East and now uh, the ongoing conflict with North Korea. But not only do you need a clear strategy, but you've got to have the right tools and, as you heard me say, the right people for the job. And where do you go to find the best people for any job? Well, whether it's negotiating, welding office, or IT skills you're looking for, the place to start that search is ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then powerful technology matches the right person to your job. And you can imagine how much time you save by posting a job just one time and then having it appear on 100 job sites. Never mind how much you increase the odds of locating that perfect person for your opening. This is why ZipRecruiter is different, and it's used by thousands of businesses, small and large. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter locate a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. In one day, you can fill that job. So ZipRecruiter is not only thorough, it's fast. 
No more juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage the candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of every size to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rebecca. Get the word Rebecca in there so that they don't charge you. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rebecca. One more time to post your job opening for free. Doesn't matter what the job opening is or how many you have. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rebecca. And I'm going to spell that for you. Z-I-P. Then the word recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R dot com slash Rebecca, my first name. And you'll be able to post any jobs that you have completely for free. And it doesn't get any better than free. Now, this is where I get to give my listeners a free gift every every week. You're going to hear me get on the radio here and offer you some service that will make your job a little bit easier and your day a little bit better. Now, if your station is leaving us after this hour, my guest next week, and you want to mark your calendars on this, is former United States ambassador to Afghanistan, We need an update on Afghanistan, folks, and this is the fellow to give it to us. General Carl Eikenberry will be in the studio with me. When will the Afghan military and economy be able to stand on its own two feet? Is the Taliban regrouping? We just recently heard about new Taliban attacks, uh, and they seem to be regrouping. Same on al-Qaeda. It's getting more and more dangerous in Afghanistan, and uh, we need to keep our eyes on that situation. And, uh, uh, you know, as you know, the media has always fallen behind reality. But if you listen to this program, you know we're staying on top of that situation. When will it be safe for the U.S. to fully withdraw from Afghanistan? Find out when Carl Eikenberry joins us next week, right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.